thanks so much for joining Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta, and today we welcome Dr. Mark Reardon, who is the Chief Quality Officer at Upstream. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Excited for the conversation. We are excited to talk to you and can't wait to hear more about Upstream and the work that you're doing. You were trained as a medical doctor, and then you ended up at CMS. And now you are at Upstream trying to transform primary care. So why don't you tell us how you made that and what's making your work at Upstream special? That's right, Stephanie. Um, I'm here because I recognized early in my medical training that there's a greater need for those who have clinical backgrounds and clinical um, insight to be involved as architects of the system. When we look at the healthcare system today, things are changing, um, many in positive directions. We have greater opportunities um, as a country to redefine how we deliver primary care services, how that interacts with specialty care, and then how we manage hospital interactions when, when the case of an admission. Um, before Upstream, I was at the CMS Innovation Center where I had the pleasure of working with the medical officer team and um, some of the bundled payment programs, which just means um, set amount of funds dedicated toward one episode of clinical care to improve the accountability and cost of those um, clinical outcomes. And there were some key lessons that I learned at CMS. And one of them is you really have to spend time with those at the front lines of clinical care. Uh, there was a really amazing work that was piloted by Dr. Beth Chalik Kaplan and Dr. Steve Farmer um, where we implemented a new quality measurement approach, where we spent time with the medical professional societies to understand which quality measures were transformational in improving the outcomes and the health of the patients served. So rather than having some set of internal experts or internal advisors or expert panels, we went to the source, those delivering the care and asked them what matters to you and what matters to your patients. And so that's been the theme of my career of how do we connect the front lines of clinical care with the architecture of the system? Um, you know, and as a plug for federal service, if anyone has a couple of years to take off and, and spend time advising in the federal government, I think it's an incredible opportunity and uh, is needed in the U.S. healthcare system. Certainly sounds, Mark, like you've had a, a, an amazing background and uh, training preparation for this role that you're taking. Tell us about then the leap to upstream. How do you take what you've learned there and start applying it so that it can start to make a change? So I, I often go back to the, the recent study that came out. It's a 26.7 hours, and it was 26.7 hours per day is required for primary care physicians to deliver guideline-aligned therapy and acute care services for the average patient panel. So we all say, well, if only I had a few extra hours in the day, should really be primary care physicians saying, if only I had 16.7 extra hours in the day. And upstream is rooted in the appreciation that as the world evolves toward total accountability for patients and outcomes and aligning goals with uh, patient goals um, that we have to support primary care physicians in a different way. But the clinical supports, so we use a model where we embed clinical pharmacist practitioners, which just means that it's a pharmacist that has the ability to work collaboratively with the primary care physician um, to start medication therapy, up titrate or increase the doses of medications or decrease the doses of medications, 
um, or discontinue medications if it doesn't make sense. Um, and in some cases, even deliver home-based adherence packaging, so those tear packages of medications. And so we believe that primary care physicians are asking and uh, desire those services, those extra clinical layers. We also need the technology to support that. So, so many barriers today are around access to data. And as we were chatting about earlier, purpose in primary care, I believe, comes from data. And so how do we get the right data in front of the primary care physician? And then it's the financial model. So, so many things are changing in health insurance today. And how do we ensure that the primary care physicians and the teams that are investing the time, the nights and the weekends for uh, appropriate care for patients are adequately compensated for those investments that they're making? I love when you were telling us that it, you have to find a way to bring purpose into the work that the primary care providers are doing. And that in other fields of medicine, like surgery, they have that immediate gratification that they know that this person had a need, they were able to operate, resolve that. And then the patient goes home happy and they feel like, wow, I've really made a difference. But with primary care, some of these things, you said that for 100,000 patients over, I think you said a 10 year period, you'll prevent 200 heart attacks and 260 strokes. There's no immediate, oh my gosh, my work is doing a difference or making a difference. But by the things that Upstream is doing and with these, it, all of the data that you have that you can say, okay, we can show you that by the work that you're doing and by working together as a team, we've made these differences. So what is that like whenever you start to work with these physicians and see them get in there and then see that light bulb go off that their work is main, making a daily difference? I love medical history. And when I think about the analogy that we were mentioning there, Stephanie, of surgery versus primary care, I was raised by a general surgeon. And when you look at the history of things that we take for granted today, like an appendectomy or removal of an appendix when it's inflamed or infected, that used to be a condition that had a 26% mortality rate. So one in every four patients with an appendicitis would, would die. Um, today, that's close to zero. And so when a surgeon encounters a patient in the emergency department that has an appendicitis, they operate on that patient. And in some cases today, they're sending that patient home the same day. So there's that immediate gratification that occurs from the surgical intervention. Primary care, I think, has um, much greater responsibility in um, the long tail events or those events where we know if we take an action today, the data tells us that we'll uh, avoid suffering down the road or we'll avoid mortality down the road. And so when we think of things like controlling blood pressure, um, if we control, like you said, Stephanie, every person's blood pressure perfectly, just that one single in intervention that's fairly simple to implement will avert those 200 heart attacks and those 260 strokes. So these are meaningful um, impacts on patients' lives. And when Upstream first engages with the primary care physicians, we often encounter primary care physicians that have experienced burnout in the past, the professional dissatisfaction with the changing landscape of reimbursement in healthcare. Um, it, it's incredibly difficult to be an independent primary care physician today in the United States. And that's often because we haven't adequately resourced primary care yet today. And so the upstream model is really appreciating those uh, discrepancies and providing additional clinical services in the form of those clinical teams led by pharmacist practitioners. So when we first engage with the primary care physician, um, there's a period of a couple months where the physicians are skeptical. 
um, they're asking questions of, is this going to drive more inbox medicine or messages to me about my patients? Or is this really going to have a meaningful impact on my practice and the health of my patients? And after about a month or two, uh, we see the paradigm shift where they realize that the power of team-based primary care, if delivered appropriately, allows them to maintain um, what they do best, which is caring for patients, and they get to continue to be the architects of their primary care delivery system within their independent practice or their health system associated practice. But they have a supportive team um, that's delivered standardized protocol-driven therapy and engagement with patients. Um, and in some cases, that's adding nine or 10 hours of clinical one-on-one -on -one patient care time per year for a patient panel. Um, but it goes beyond just the clinical. I think we have to think about the technology and the financial. And that technology piece is really the data. So for the primary care physician, how do we show them with data that the patient that they saw at 9.45 in the morning and they controlled their blood pressure, that means that that patient has three extra years with their grandkids or three extra years to attend the softball games um, because of their avoidance of a stroke or a heart attack. So Mark, just keep going down that pathway, actually. How do you show them that? I mean, it's okay. I've um, helped this one patient control their blood pressure over the last three months, but is there enough uh, historical evidence and research evidence for us to show that therefore, you know, the risk of their having a stroke has gone down by this percentage? Absolutely. That's probably the one of the most well-studied areas in medicine of, of some of these primary care interventions like controlling blood pressure, uh, controlling diabetes, where we see that one-to-one -one link. But the challenge is that controlling someone's diabetes today doesn't immediately Im improve outcomes. We don't see those for maybe a couple of months or a couple of years, or it could be up to 10 years. And so that's where it's, it's critical for us to have the data. And I think one of the key insights for me has been when we connect to individual electronic medical records, we pull that real-time data up to the front and we're seeing this across industries. How do we have more actionable data back to the teams, but not just so that they can work differently so that they can find a sense of purpose and continued purpose in their engagements and recognize that those little changes or that extra few minutes spent with the patient leads to downstream um, impacts later in that patient's life that we may never hear about, but um, they're the silent heroes of the healthcare system. And then flipping to the other side of the data that you're providing, not only are you providing it to the doctors to let them know, identify, you know, who need, may need an additional screen or may need these things, but also the outcomes that they're receiving. And then you use those outcomes to be able to pay them. You have a system called GAPQ, which is Guaranteed Advanced Payments for Quality. And so while value-based value care pays it can sometimes be a long payout. So you guys pay them on a monthly basis using that data to be able to look at it and say, okay, these people are making these changes. So what is that like to be able to transform that part of value-based care? That's been one of the um, challenges I know that the everyone has faced, whether it's CMS, whether it's the insurance companies, or whether it's the primary care physicians, of how do we... Um, encourage uptake of a total cost of care or total quality of care mindset um, in, in our accountability with patients. So if we all agree, which I believe we do, if primary care is the cornerstone of the healthcare system, 
um, then how do we ensure that there's full accountability for what's happening outside the four walls of the primary care physician's office? How do we have the right levers in place, such as home-based services or ED diversion services or hospital at home um, or home-based palliative care to be able to appropriately respond to patient needs? And that all requires retooling the way um, practices are structured, it requires that additional layer of uh, supports in the office and in the community. Um, and it requires that we're uh, compensating the physician practices in a different way. And I think that some of these value-based care models have struggled because you're waiting up to 18 months to see um, a return on the financial investments and the time investments that you're making in shaping the way that you practice care. And the GAP-Q methodology um, allows us to pay on a monthly basis based on the quality and the outcomes. So we're flipping from a payment based on um, fee-for-service or number of patients you're seeing or how often you're seeing them to how well the patients are doing. Are they improving? Is their health, are their health outcomes where the patient would like them to be? Are they satisfied with the care that they're receiving? Um, and that mindset shift allows, it frees the primary care physicians to leverage their team uh, to ensure that that clinical flywheel, as we call it, um, maintains its locus of, um, uh, you know, control within the primary care physician's office. The work that you're doing is really fascinating and it's so much needed. As you said, uh, primary care really needs to go through this massive transformation. I'm so glad that we have folks like you who have the clinical background, the experience working with health policy, with the federal government, and, and, and the real appreciation for data and quality that are trying to drive this. Uh, and, and I guess in just one more uh, you know, uh, added comment from my part, on behalf of all the colleagues of mine and my friends who are in primary care that really struggle with their day-to-day -day practice of primary care because they just feel so beleaguered by the system, how much the system is expecting from them. I, I have a lot of hope for what Upstream is bringing. Uh, so, so I guess tying that together, my final question to you, Mark, is have you seen uh, it, it may be too early, so hopefully I'm not putting you at a, at a disadvantage here in asking the question, but have you seen yet with the work that you're doing, the changes that you're making, the team-based care you're building, the advanced payments you're providing, the insights you're driving to the primary care physicians, have you started to see any impact on their level of engagement, burnout, uh, disenchantment? Is that coming through as yet? It certainly is. If we're, what we're seeing is... And I can tell you when I meet with the primary care physicians that we partner with on a quarterly basis, the conversations um, uh, have turned to the physicians asking for, well, tell me more about this or give me more data here, rather than the system providing more and more data and more opportunities for gap closures or health outcome improvement. It's the physicians asking uh, reinvigorated uh, methods of how do we continue to improve and how do we um, care for our patients in a better way. And to me, that signals that we have a, uh, the next generation of primary care that's engaged to um, be the cornerstone of the primary care and healthcare system that we need for the next couple of years. That's amazing. I love hearing that you're making a difference for these people because that is such a problem that I never really realized that there is that very delayed gratification for primary care physicians. So on your end, 
What is it like for you, for somebody who does have a dad who's a surgeon? I think you said your mom was also a, a doctor. What is it like for you to be on the back end of this and be able to see this? Where does your personal passion and fulfillment come from when you're doing this work? I'm incredibly excited when we architect a system that makes sense for patients. Um, when we use the technology and the advanced therapeutics that we have at our disposable at our disposal, but um, do it in a way that's, uh, you know, we're good stewards of the taxpayer-funded healthcare system, creating a sustainable infrastructure for us to continue to offer incredible health benefits in the country, um, but appreciating that as technology evolves and the financial infrastructures evolve, that we're providing supports for primary care physicians. Um, and it jazzes me up when I see primary care docs that are um, excited to practice that have the right supports in place that can leverage all of the new technologies that are coming to light, but doing it in a way that doesn't um, burden them inappropriately and allows them to focus on what they love and why they went into medicine originally. And it's to build strong relationships with patients, improve their lives and be there um, alongside them to reduce and, and comfort them with suffering. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your time and the conversation. Thanks so much. It was fascinating, Mark. Thank you. All the best to you. Thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.